Marcheseau slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back, Dodonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, VGK Insider Show, broadcasting live from the underground lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. I can't say enough good things about the Oyo Hotel and Casino, VGK Drink Specials, $3, Bacardi's, New Amsterdam's, Jim Beam's, five buds for $10. Bucket a bud for Five of them for ten dollars. Uh, it's it's two dollars a bud. It, it's a fantastic value, a fantastic deal, and this is one of the best places to come in Las Vegas to get ready for a game, to get ready for a big game. And there's going to be a huge game for the Vegas Golden Knights coming this Sunday against the San Jose Sharks, the final home game of the regular season. So if you need a place to park, this is where you want to go. If you want a place to get yourself ready to go for the game. This is where you want to be, the Underground Lounge, inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Always free parking. Very easy walk to T-Mobile Arena. It is awesome here. I've got some swag. Come on down, say hello. And anything on the table, just pick it up. Outside of my iPad, it's all there, all ready for you. Just come on up to the table, say hello, and grab some swag. Hour number two is rolling along with Dave Shane from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, all right, Dave, let me, let me ask you about... Let me ask you this question to start off. Yeah. At what point last night did you get the sense the Golden Knights were going to win the game? At what point did you say, okay, you know what? I feel something's happening here. The Golden Knights are coming out with two points. You know, probably the second goal, yeah. the tying goal, you know, early, early in third. Like, obviously, like, I know the – the Stevenson goal, you know, put him ahead. Maybe is the more obvious one, but it just felt like they needed something. It felt like they, it felt like they actually responded to the goalie change. It took a, it took a little bit. It felt like for a lot of that that second period, I think they were kind of shell shocked, you know. And, and then and then it seemed like they woke up. I think the biggest thing is they realized, you know, okay, Logan Thompson's back there and he's going to give us some saves. And I think once that second goal, once that tying goal went in, it, it, there just became some belief in, in the team that permeated. They're they're a weird team like that psychologically. I I haven't I haven't really been around all that many teams in, in other sports, but like I haven't seen one that when it gets down one goal, just seems to almost panic as much as, as this team does, or is just as uncomfortable as they are in those situations. And, and I, I just felt like the, you know, the, the 18,000 in the arena, um, players on the bench, everybody just exhaled when that second goal went in. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because a one-goal lead should not be insurmountable when you've got the talent that the Golden Knights have. But I think it speaks to kind of the, the talking points coming out of the New Jersey game and especially coming off of the heels of a shutout loss to the Edmonton Oilers that this team offensively, 
has periods of inconsistency. Offensively, there are moments where they just cannot find goals. And when you are reliant as much as the Golden Knights are on the rush to get those chances, uh, and then you're in games where it's close, it's a one-goal game, you know that you have to kind of sacrifice the defensive structure for the offensive chances. And I think that might have something to do with why a one-goal lead against the Golden Knights at times can feel insurmountable. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. I was, I was actually talking to my dad about this like a couple weeks ago in, in a different context of a different game, and it just kind of popped in my head of like that. You know, one of the things that made that first year so special was there was these games and there was this belief of like, uh, it doesn't matter, they're going to come back. You know, they're going to score one goal and one goal is going to turn into two and then maybe it'll turn into three. Like, they just, they had that team and the fans and every, every there was just this belief permeating through that team that, that no lead was too big for them. And for whatever reason, I think, you know, I was actually kind of shocked that Pete DeBoer said this and I found, you know, of all his comments, obviously the goaltending, but, but the fact that he said it's been a historic problem. Mm-hmm. you know, around these parts. I was, I was very taken aback by that because, you know, when you when you make an admission like that, it's basically saying, like, yeah, it is in the players' heads that they they think about the times that they haven't had success, that things have stalled out, and that's what they're drawing on instead of the positive. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, psychologically, you know, there, there might be a hurdle there, you know, with this team in terms of when it gets tough, when it gets grindy, when it's a, a one-goal game either way. You know that that they have to they have to figure out ways to be more comfortable in those situations than they have been, you know, historically. To use Pete DeBoer's words. Yeah, that that actually leads me to my next question because I know you asked Max Pacioretty about those comments, and he 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 was a little contradictory, I think, in his comments. He first of all he pushed back on on the notion that it was historical, but then he also kind of contradicted himself when he said, "Well, you can't cherry pick specific games." Then he cherry picked a game that the Tampa Bay Lightning. One one to nothing in a series which they had scored fifteen goals up to that point. So, what did you take of Max's comments and, and his pushback on Pete when, with with that historical comment? Yeah, you know, I I didn't know what to make. Look, Max Max is extremely intelligent and extremely articulate and extremely savvy when it comes to the media and just answering questions. And like half the time before we even get our question out, he, he can tell he already knows what he's gonna what he's gonna say and where he's going with it. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like he may have had a little bit of just, you know, a message and an agenda. You know, yeah, to be fair, it was a bit of a negative question that I asked. And, and I think if you're a player at this point in time with the situation that they're facing, they're trying to be as positive as they can. And, and they're trying to spin it and turn it, you know, any which way they, they can to, to, you know, keep themselves from getting into that funk and thinking about the, the bad stuff and the Dallas series, the Montreal series, you know, all of those sorts of things. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Chris, I mean, my first, uh, my, my follow-up to him was, was basically that, that, that like, look, you're, you're saying all this stuff, like, well, isn't it more of an indictment on this team that you couldn't get it done against New Jersey? And, I, I mean, I didn't feel like he directly answered that question. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of frustration with this team. And, you know, him, I, I think a little bit of that worked out. Uh, for him personally, last game, I thought he was great. I thought, I thought there was a stretch there in that game where, where I think the Knights were trying to figure out how much they really wanted it, if they were, if they were going to fold up the tents and, and just pack it in, or if they were going to actually say, okay, let's, you know, let's make an effort here. And I, and I think when, 
when that was going on, Max Pacioretty was the one guy that was skating hard and trying to create chances. It may have been selfish. I don't know if he was trying to look out for himself, but it seemed to be, you know, at least last night, that he was the one guy that you, you couldn't criticize for a stretch there. So at least in terms of that, Chris, I mean, I won't push back on him too much because he was certainly out there last night, you know, giving 100%. Yeah, on, on the topic of, of Max Pacioretty, I, I think you're kind of spot on there, Dave, in, in that a couple of his best games, and, and in the New Jersey game, I think he found his game. I, I would agree with Max's assessment there. He had eight shots on goal. He was one of those players that was trying to drive offense for the Golden Knights uh, and then followed it up with, I thought, an inspired 40 minutes, first 40 minutes anyway, against the Washington Capitals. Like, he was hitting. He was taking the puck to the net. Like, when when you're when you're trying to push back or when you do push back as a player at, at some of those notions, uh, it's all about what you do on the ice. And I thought Max Pacioretty's answer last night against the Washington Capitals was one that was inspiring, not just uh, to to the, his teammates, but but I think to, to anybody that was watching him play, like he was going in the engine for the Golden Knights uh, in that game last night. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think... You know, we, we as the media, we talk and we ask a lot of questions about leadership and, you know, who are the voices and, and what are you guys kind of saying at this time, whether it's positive, negative, you know, what's the message, those, you know, those types of things. And, and there's, there's obviously there's different people and there's different ways to do it. Max Pacioretty, you know, having been a captain before, you know, but not wearing the C now kind of knows different ways to show leadership, even if you're not a captain. And, you know, I think... Sometimes the best way to go about doing, you know, anything when you're trying to be out front is just what you do on the ice, your play, you know. I mean, I don't want to turn this too much into something else because I'm sure we're going to talk about the goalies, but, you know, one of the things I kind of feel like is going on, you know, a little bit right now with the goaltending is is kind of who gets to have a voice, who's backing up, you know, their talk with their play and, and who whose message is going to be received in the locker room based on, you know, what they're doing on the ice. And, and I think, you know, a guy like Max Pacioretty knows, you know, if I'm going to be a leader, if I'm going to speak up, if, if I'm going to help, you know, drive the bus here for the last handful of games, you know, I got to do it on the ice too. Because otherwise, you know, you just kind of lose that right, you know, to speak up within the locker room when you're not performing. All right, Dave, you, you kind of brought it up there in your last answer, but the goalie situation what was your reaction when you saw Logan Thompson lead the team on the ice to start the second period? I mean, I was very surprised. I think like everybody else, we were all up talking and murmuring and just trying to figure it out and interpret it, wondering if Robin Leonard was hurt or just what was going on. I mean, look, I'll even go back to the morning skate, and and I'll use a phrase that, that my colleague Ben Goetz used and, you know, I'll even maybe criticize myself a little bit for this. Is I, I don't think I totally believed what my eyes were telling me in that morning skate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just something in my mind that would that that kept saying, "There's no way Robin Leonard's starting this game. There's no way that he's starting this game." Even though every sign, you know, from, pointed to that at the morning skate. No goalie that has skipped the morning skate has like not been the starter. So the fact that Robin Leonard wasn't out there for that. And then Logan Thompson's taking extra shots, staying on with Dylan Coughlin. Like, everything pointed, you know, to him doing it. And I don't think I actually could wrap my head around it. And, and so, 
within that context, to see Logan Thompson come out and just be like, well, why did you start Robin Leonard in the first place then? You know, I, I, that was the first question that ran through my head was like, if he's not hurt, then, then why did you start? The irony, I guess, with, with me asking that question is I think, I think Pete DeBoer actually got it right in terms of making the change. I think it, it took a little bit, but it did have the desired effect that he was looking for. And I, I think more than that, I think his read on the team at the time was 100% correct. And, and I just feel, and what I was alluding to earlier, and I'll just kind of say, like, this is me. This is not us being in the locker room. This is not me reporting anything. This is just kind of how it feels, having been in locker rooms and just being around this, is it feels like Robin Leonard has lost that locker room. And it felt like he lost them at the end of that first period. And it, like I said, it, once they got going, once Logan Thompson warmed up, once they found their legs a little bit and said, yeah, we do want to win this game, it just felt like there was more belief in Logan Thompson in there. And, and I think that's the, that's the difficult part for Pete DeBoer right now, you know, and, and where they're at is, is it just feels like, you know, whether it's like Pete DeBoer gave Robin Leonard a second chance and he didn't get it done. So, you know, at this point, I'm just not sure how much faith they have in his ability to perform. And, you know, I'm going to throw Robin Leonard's words back in his face. He's made comments about how he likes, the fact that with the Golden Knights, there's no politics, meaning if you playing the best, that's who gets the most playing time. And right now, I don't think he's playing as well as Logan Thompson. So the the thing that I find interesting about that is I I, I on the surface, everything that you said makes a ton of sense. I, I think right now, just in terms of recent play, Logan Thompson is not just making more saves and, and has a higher save percentage, the numbers are better, but he's getting the results. And, and for a team that is desperate for the results, I think that that has to carry a lot of weight in these situations and these decisions. That, that being said, I, it's a 1-1 game going into the second period. And, and the read on the team, sure, it, I, like, I'm, I'm there with Pete for sure, but... I mean, if you're if you're looking at it from a team perspective, and you're down a goal, or you're you're in a you're in a tie game against the Washington Capitals, in which you've only generated four high danger scoring chances through 40 minutes, like at some point the onus has to be on the players to go out there and play the way that they are capable of doing. It took them a while; they got there in the third period, but you know, I I I don't know that that was the moment, or that was the game, or that was the period where Robin Leonard didn't hit his expect his expected play like I, I thought in that first period he was much better than he was in the third period against New Jersey like why then and not in the third period against New Jersey when he gloves that puck down and it one game yeah and that's what you know that's where me as somebody who you know having played I, I don't have the goalie perspective I, I can look at it from the forward perspective and I'd actually I, I want to maybe hear this a little bit and, and ask you a little bit about this Ryan because the, the, this is this is what I know, and this is what I can relate to. When you're a player and you don't trust your goalie, and, and William Carlson, I think after one of Logan Thompson's early starts, had made a, a comment about this, and I thought it was the most accurate read about just how he he judges a goalie yeah. based on how much calm that goalie instills in the rest of the team. And 
when you get an oblique every time the, the other team comes down the wing because you don't know if that goalie is going to stop the puck yeah. or what's going to happen. It's just the worst feeling. It's like standing at second base when the pitcher can't throw the ball over the plate. And, and you know it's either going to be a walk or he's got a groove one, and it's going to end up in the gap or over the way. You're just standing out there, and you're, just, you're helpless. You know? And, and when, when, you as a goal, when you as a team lose faith in a goalie, and again, look, I, I know I'm talking, and, and this is like pretty harsh, and especially I think coming from me because I'm not the, the person that usually says stuff this strong. And, and again, this is just my opinion. But it felt like at that point, Pete DeBoer realized that, I don't know if they turned on Rob Leonard or they just don't believe it, that there just something wasn't right. And, and he made the switch. And, and yeah. again, I think actually his read, as crazy as it was at the time, was actually right. I think the bigger picture with all of this, though, you bring up like the players and it's on them and the four high danger chances, like, you know they got the they got the two points out of that game. Mm-hmm. They're still in the playoff hunt. But at, at what point do we look at this team and say like they're not really playing that well yet? And and how much faith do we really have that they can get it together and make a run with presumably Logan Thompson as the goalie now? If they actually you know do get to the postseason. Yeah, I mean that's that's and to to put a bow on on the goaltending and you know Dave. I, I think your explanations are, are kind of right on the money there in, in terms of your read of the situation and, and where Pete was in making that decision. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, I think the decision's been made already, right? Like, I don't know a situation where you're able to go with anybody other than Logan Thompson in net on Sunday. You need results. Yeah. You need that, that pivotal uh, kick in the butt, reset, whatever you want to call it, however you need to view the situation. Do you see any any situation where Logan Thompson is not starting for the Vegas Golden Knights on Sunday? I, I, no, like unless he takes a puck in practice or something or, some, you know, knock on wood, something would happen. I think that intermission the other night, first yeah. period, when he made that change, I think that's the point of no return. I, I, I don't think he can go back. Like he gave Robin Leonard his chance, and, and he went away from it. You know, he, he said – Pete DeBoer made the decision at that point that he wasn't getting the job done. Like, there's no other way to interpret it. And so I just feel like if he, if he didn't get the job done against New Jersey and Pete DeBoer made the comments that he made about you know, Logan Thompson being the, the one goalie right now who's given them consistent performance, you give Robin Leonard a second chance and he doesn't get it done. Like, you know, unfortunately, like, the hard part is it's a tough business. You know, and, and I'm one of the people who's always been on Robin Leonard's side and rooted for him, you know, his personal story resonates with me and like I, I can remove that and, and, and I'm objective as a reporter, but you know, I, I've always looked at this as Robin Leonard is a, you know, upper echelon goalie in the NHL and he's proven that time and time again, you know, with the Islanders, with the Blackhawks, with the Knights. Yeah. So that, like, that's never been a question with me. And I, that's where I've always fallen on the other side. I think of a lot of, you know, some of the fan um, angst, Toward him, I, he's a he's a fantastic goaltender. But right now, for whatever reason, whether he's hurt, whether it's something different, it's just not happening. And if you're going to get to the playoffs, I just feel like Logan Thompson right now is going to give you the best chance. I want to jump in the time machine. We're not going to go back too far. Just about a month ago, 
And almost exactly a month ago today, we're wondering if the NHL is going to approve the trade of Evgeny Dodonov to the Anaheim Ducks. But since that day where the NHL nixed the trade and Dodonov was, was stayed as a member of the Golden Knights, he has five goals and eight assists. Are they still playing meaningful hockey at this point in the season if the NHL had approved that trade and Dodonov is not a member of the Golden Knights? I mean, it's a good question. You know, I think you go back to, you know, what, like at least the Chicago game, he scores the overtime goal, right? I mean, I think a couple of those games, you know, maybe you could take his points out and they still win. But I think it's a fair point in terms of the impact that he's had. That's the impact that they were expecting. Like, I mean, he's been more than a point-a-game player, as, as you mentioned. I don't think they expected that when they got him from Ottawa, but they were expecting more of, like, this type of guy. This is what he was sold as, the, the play-driving winger. Like, that's what Kelly McCrimmon said he was in it. We just never saw it for, for 60 games, or, or if we did, it was in, in little spurts. I don't know if that trade was like the kick in the butt that he needed or, or if it was a wake-up. I don't know what happened. But clearly, maybe it was just a, a chemistry with Jack Eichel. I mean, those two seem to have found a way to, you know, cash in on high-danger chances, especially that that's just what they've been most effective at. I don't know what, if it's that or, or something else, you know, but to your point, yeah, Chris, like, they've needed those points. They needed somebody to step up offensively, whether it was a surprise guy or, or you know, one of their top guys. And, and he's been one of the, the few, you know, Marcheseau, Eichel, Theodore, and, and Dodonov especially have been the ones to do it. So, Dave, when you look at the Golden Knights and their, their four games remaining, and, and I want to kind of circle back to something you, you had said in, in that has this team looked like a team that can run the table, that can play well enough uh, to run the table and then do some damage in the playoffs. Uh, the avenue right now, and I think L.A. is still kind of in the mix for Vegas, but uh, you just you look at that schedule for the Los Angeles Kings, it, it, it just seems and feels insurmountable there. But the Dallas Stars, another confounding team in that the games you expect them to win – they lose and then the games that you expect them to lose they look like world beaters and stanley cup contenders like i can't figure out the dallas stars it's been about three years now that i haven't been able to figure out this team (laughs) vegas is two points back of dallas dallas plays tonight in calgary like is that the avenue is that the direction where the golden knights are able to still cling to those playoff hopes yeah maybe especially because of that head-to-head game yeah. You know, that, that that becomes kind of that four-point game if, if it works out that way. I think that that is probably their best chance at this point. Unless unless the Kings, you know, kind of stumble along the way. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. If I'm going to put myself in in that locker room, in their shoes, sort of what I'm, what I'm waiting for, what I'm hoping, and I'm not really a scoreboard watcher type, but I would, I'd be a peeker, like a scoreboard peeker. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as I see, like, the Kings or the Stars lose, boy, that would perk me up. Like, all of a sudden, it would be like, ooh, doors open, you know? Like, what, it just feels like, it feels like after that game last night, and all of a sudden they say, okay, if we got our goalie and, and we got a little momentum here, we got a little mojo, if they get a team to stumble in between, like, now and especially Sunday, and if they're able to take care of Sunday and, and they get, you know, feeling good going into that Dallas game, you know, I, 
I think I had, last time we had talked, I was going to mention this and my brain kind of fried out, but you know, last year, I think it was like, uh, I think it was like six points with eight games or something over Colorado. They had a big lead. They had beat Colorado and they had a really big lead. And I actually made the mistake of, of basically kind of writing that the Knights had it all, but locked up at that point. And then, you know, we know what happened. They stumbled along the way that game against lost head to head, you know, and then they ended up tied on points and, and ended up losing the tiebreaker. So, like, crazy things happen. You sure. know, we're all kind of writing them off, and, yeah, the Kings and this, and, but, like, you know, those games in hand are, are not automatic wins, and, you know, it, I, I kind of am with Pete DeBoer on this. I think it's going to come all the way down to the end, and, you know, I'm really I'm curious to see that St. Louis game because if St. Louis has anything to play for, mm-hmm. that'll be an interesting one. All right, Dave, this is the last one for me, and then we're going to turn it over to Chris Chapman. He'll get the last question. Uh, of of the day f- with you, but uh, Sunday, San Jose. I can think of no team that wants to end the playoff hopes of the Vegas Golden Knights more than the San Jose Sharks. Uh, what are you? What are your expectations going into Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure yeah, that spoiler role would would be nice. I'm sure they're talking about that in, in San Jose. I mean, I I would hope, I would expect, you know, if you're a Golden Knights fan that that everything could carry over from last night, that they, they still got some momentum. Maybe they get some help between now and then. Like, the, the one thing that I feel like that, that this team, the Knights, haven't done this year is just kind of just step on somebody's throat, and I, that's a harsh term I, I apologize for. But, you know, show that, show that instinct of just jump on somebody, don't let them hang around, don't make it a close game. And I understand the other team has a say in that, but it just feels like they haven't had that that ability to just kind of boat race somebody when they need to. And, and I feel like if, if they get in there Sunday and, and that door is open, they need, you know, it, you have to see it in the first period, you know, jump on the Sharks right away, you know, take any belief that they have and, and try to run away with a game and, and really get some, some good feeling going into that last road trip. All right, Dave, last one for me. Um, yeah. You, you, you know, last night we, we got to witness a bit of history with Alexander Ovechkin scoring his 50th goal, ninth time he's done that in his career. Obviously, only two other players in the history of the NHL have done that, Mike Bossy and Wayne Gretzky. So are you one of those guys who, who when you're sitting in the building and you see something like that, you're able to really appreciate it and, and, and just or, – or, or is it just one of those things where you're like, yeah, it's kind of cool? No, I totally appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's – I don't try to um, – I think I'm, I'm more reserved with it. That's probably the word I would say. Um, maybe it's a fault of mine, especially like with social media and things, to not, you know, really promote, you know, how cool that stuff is. And, and you know, unless it's a Knights guy, I, I just, I, it's probably, like I said, it's just sort of my own thing. But, but yeah, down, down deep, um, you know, when I, when I look back, when I write the memoirs, when I'm able to say, you know, <laughs> Boy, these are all the cool things that I that I got to do and see. Like, yeah, it's absolutely, you know, going to be on the list. Like, I don't know how high, but I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate that, that we're able to see that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that's one of the cool things, and I'm sure this is not where you're going with the question, but, like, you know, just having pro sports in Vegas. You know, folks got to see, you know, UNLV basketball for a long time. That was the big thing. And, you know, there was a lot of historic college basketball games and, and moments that, that came through here and, and are attached to UNLV, but like, you know, as a fan, you, you really want those big moments and, and to see those star players, you know, to be able to, 
the Cialis Ovechkin, you know, like all politics aside and, and everything else that's going on, like it, it's a treat. It's, it's a privilege for us to be able to see it. And I mean, it actually, I'll admit, like it took me a moment, like, to realize, oh, that second one, yeah, oh, shoot, yeah, that was 50. <laughs> and, oh, 50 for him is like, whoa, that's a, that's a big number because he's done it, you know, the, the, you know, the number of times he has. So, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a second. I'm obviously just wrapped up in the game. But, you know, especially I think when you, you know, when I went home and, and I was listening to the radio and you guys were kind of talking about it, and I seen some other folks talking about Gretzky, um, you know, and Bossy, I saw. Uh, I think it was on ESPN. There was, you know, it was like Mark Messier and Chris Chelios talking about, you know, memories of those two. And you see some of the old highlights and, you know, just like how awful some of the goaltenders are. And then at the same time, like how, how amazing some of the shots and some of the stuff like Bossy's release. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Like yeah. you go back and see some of the, the goals that he scored. It's like, holy crud. Like that would totally <laughs> translate, you know, 40, 45 years later. I wouldn't even imagine Mike Bossy with those composite sticks that they have now like that's crazy so so yeah i mean i'm like i said i think i'm all, i'm always a little quiet about it but definitely personally you know when i go home it's like you know it's like, that, that was pretty cool i uh, definitely have an appreciation all right so the I, I lied um is the greatest threat to to alex ovechkin's chase of wayne gretzky's goal scoring record that evgeny kuznetsov is going to keep stealing goals from him <laughs> It might be okay. I nearly did a spit take. I was drinking water, and that that almost came out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just wonder at what point in that game Alex Ovechkin was like, "You son of a, you know, whatever." All right, now I got to go get you know my own goals because he definitely looked like he was he was yeah. on a mission to get fifty last night, especially especially after that one got vultured. Yeah, that that was like, and I, I've told Chapman this so far today. Like my favorite two-and-a-half, three-minute segment in the game last night was Logan Thompson just absolutely flashing the leather on Alex Ovechkin, and then two minutes later, Ovechkin putting his head down and just ripping a 101-mile-per-hour clapper through Logan Thompson. Like, the game within a game between those two, and it's Logan Thompson's 12th, 13th game in the NHL was amazing. And then I love Logan Thompson's answer afterward. Or, you know, he's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's stuff. So good. But my my favorite moment though was Ovechkin clearly declining that penalty, and the referees <laughs> being like, you know, okay, if Alex Ovechkin says it wasn't a trip, it wasn't a trip. Yeah. No, it, that game last night, like wherever you fall, and 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 whatever happens with the Golden Knights the rest of the way in these final four games, like. That last night was an absolute gem. It was really entertaining. It was a playoff atmosphere through and through, um, and the Golden Knights were able to come away with two points. So that's massive. It's big. Uh, and, Dave, we, we thank you for taking and being very generous with your time here today. Uh, hopefully uh, I'll get with you on Sunday. We can get you dialed in for the pregame, and we'll get to talking about a very, very important one for the Golden Knights on Sunday against San Jose. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great show. Have a good one. Thank you to Dave Shane with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Always incredibly candid uh, with his opinions, his thoughts on what's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and the goaltending is, is really going to be the story that, that dominates Vegas over the next couple of days before Sunday's game against the San Jose Sharks. We're back with one-timers next on the BGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Here we go, one-timers. Brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. Our look around the NHL news and notes. I'm going to start with something I hadn't planned on talking about on one-timers today. Chris Chapman. Yes. Andrew Kopp has been how good for the New York Rangers since being acquired at the trade deadline? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to guess because you're asking me the question. I'm going to say he's been pretty good. He's been incredibly good. Andrew Kopp, tonight for the New York Rangers has a natural hat-trick in the first period. (laughs) So here's where it gets fun for Andrew Kopp and the Rangers. In 14 games going into tonight's action, Kopp had 15 points, five goals, 10 assists, 15 points in 14 games for the Rangers. You add his three tallies tonight in game 15 for the Rangers, he's got eight goals, He's got 18 points. He's better than a point a game. Has there been a better deadline acquisition for a team than Andrew Kopp for the New York Rangers? Wow, that's that's tough because I think some of the deadline acquisitions, like Claude Giroux, yeah. I think that that's one where if you're Florida, if you win the Stanley Cup, that paid dividends for you. So it's tough to say right now, but I, I will say this about Andrew Kopp. I think the Winnipeg Jets are probably wondering where that type of production was at when he was playing for them. Yeah, it's it's a fair it's a fair point. Uh, but again, like we, we know that uh, Gerard Gallant is able to get a lot out of players, and, and Andrew Kopp is is in a really good spot right now with the New York Rangers to produce. So he's doing it. I think that you're you know your your point on Claude Giroux is well taken. I think that the the dividends he'll pay are going to come in the playoffs for sure because you've got a battle-tested veteran that's been there before that's done it that has been in meaningful games has made it to a Stanley Cup final so I think that there's a lot that Giroux can do from an intangible side that maybe the Florida Panthers don't have Uh, but here's the name I'd throw out as a name that that maybe gives Andrew Kopp a run for his money and this is obviously discounting Marc-Andre Fleury, who has essentially made the Minnesota Wilds goaltending tandem nearly unbeatable. Uh, Cam Talbot's been phenomenal, and I believe Cam Talbot getting the start tonight is the first time that Minnesota, since the trade, has broken from a pure rotation. So something to keep an eye on as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. But Mark Giordano with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're talking about a guy that is... 10 points in 15 games and when you juxtapose that with what he was doing in Seattle 55 games 23 points like two goals eight assists 10 points in 15 games for the Toronto Maple Leafs to me that's one that if Toronto is able to win in the playoffs it's likely going to be because Mark Giordano comes out and has himself a series of a lifetime yeah, and, and again, that's one of those moves where right now, I mean, the Maple Leafs were comfortably in the playoffs when they made that acquisition. So that's one of those moves that will, for them, will show dividends if they're able to make a run into the playoffs. Obviously, if they go out early, it doesn't matter what he has done since he came over because 
that wasn't the goal of the Maple Leafs to just make the playoffs. The goal was to go pretty far in the playoffs because their window is probably starting to close a little bit. So, um, and real quick on Andrew Kopp, not a lot of guys get traded and end up playing on the same line with two players who have over 140 points combined between yeah. the two of them. So, so good, good on him for taking advantage of that situation. But uh, back, back to Giordano. Yeah, I, I think for Toronto, just like Giroux, that's one of those moves that you'll see whether or not it worked out in the playoffs. Yeah, no, fair point. Um, the NHL Global Series is back for 2022. San Jose, Nashville, they'll play a couple of regular season games, October 7th and 8th in Prague, Czech Republic, Columbus and Colorado. They'll play in Finland, November 4th and 5th. Uh, plus, in the preseason, there will be a Global Series Challenge featuring the Predators against SC Bern on October 3rd and the Sharks and Eisbaren Berlin on October 4th. Um, you're a world traveler, Chapman. Yes. When it comes to Global Series and these global events for the NHL and, and you know going overseas to play games, regular season, all that, where, where's your take on it as somebody that loves to travel and, and how do you think players feel in the disruption that it kind of has to the season? I, I don't know so much for San Jose Nashville that are opening up the regular season, but more so Columbus and Colorado who are going to have to go while like within the first month of the season. How much is that going to disrupt the body and disrupt uh, your play? when you travel overseas well for these guys they're certainly not traveling the same way i do when i travel overseas so i'm sure they're Fair they're, they're going to be in much better shape uh mentally and physically when they land in in czech republic and in finland and what what's really cool about it is for the san jose sharks who will be playing in prague tomas hurdle yeah. is actually from prague and for the columbus blue jackets who will be playing in finland they will be playing in the hometown of their star player, Patrick Laine, who's from Tempare, Finland. Yeah. So pretty cool for both of those players. I think the league is an international league, right? We've got players from multiple countries in Europe. Um, you know, it's about growing the game. But I would I would say if the league is is interested in, in, in growing the game more, maybe maybe pick some countries where there aren't a lot of NHL players from, and I guess Switzerland is, is, is a country where there's not a ton of NHL players, but there's a few. Yeah. Maybe maybe some places a little closer to home. I don't know where where you could conceivably play, right? I mean, Canada, Mexico, maybe, uh, but obviously Canada. Well, you already play <laughs> yeah, in Canada. Obviously, Chapman? no. I mean, like like what Mexico, are you maybe. About? I, I I don't know, but yeah. As as, a, <laughs> as I can tell you this, I I went to a game in Stockholm a couple of years ago. Yeah. And the atmosphere alone yeah. is worth going. The rink was built in 1955, and it originally didn't have a roof. Oh, wow. The roof came later. So it was a historic building. It was it was a, a, a pretty big rivalry in Sweden between two teams that really don't like each other. Um, two successful clubs in, in Stockholm or in Sweden. So the atmosphere alone makes it worth checking out. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of these international games. I would love to be able to go one year to, to, to Sweden or to Finland or wherever they go and see the Golden Knights play in a couple of these games because I think it would just be a really cool 
experience. And for the Golden Knights, and I don't know how many other franchises have this, but they showed something on the scoreboard last night about all the Golden Knight fans from all over the country. Yeah. Or all over the world, I should say, the VGK Worldwide. And they're showing guys in, in Thailand and guys in Indonesia and guys at pubs in England with their sure. VGK hats and shirts and jerseys. I think that's cool. And I know we have a caller from Australia who calls in once in a while. We have I have people who follow me from, from all over Europe, and they talk to me on Twitter. The game is global, and to me it's cool that the NHL, again, gives back to their fans, yep. especially the international fans, because not a lot of – the NFL, they play the one game a year in London, and nobody, sure. it, it's cool, though. The NBA, so, once in a while, will go play in Europe, and it's cool. But for the NHL, they have a lot of players from these countries that they're playing games. So it's an experience for those fans as well. I think your point's well taken. I'd love to see an NHL game or a global series in England or Scotland or Ireland or something like that and or Australia. I think Australia would be awesome. That's a lot of travel. <laughs> it is a lot of travel. But, hey, if I'm looking at what I think would be – kind of the coolest setting in the best venue. Um, I'm going in a more non-traditional setting, as you mentioned, uh, places that don't necessarily have a lot of players represented in the NHL. Those are your one-timers for today, Thursday, April 21st, brought to you by Paul Palomora Lawyers Less Fees. Catching up with Chapman is next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, and end the day on a bit of a sad note. Um, Raiders legend Daryl LaMonica, he was nicknamed the Mad Bomber. He passed away today. His family announced at 80 years old. He was the six, 1967 AFL MVP. Um, you know, just a Raider legend and for those who don't know, our sister station is Raider Nation Radio. I, I read some of the stuff that both Q Myers and JT the Brick put out and, and had to say about Daryl. And just a tremendous stuff by all accounts. An, an incredible guy and, you know, a Raiders legend. So so it's always sad when you wake up and you see the news about a, a legend of your team. And I'm not a Raider fan, but I knew the name. And I never got to see the guy play, obviously. But... You know, I, I, I know that he meant a lot to a lot of people within the Raiders, Raiders organization. And, you know, it's sad to wake up and see that news. But uh, Daryl LaMonica, unfortunately, passed away today at the age of 80 years old. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a bummer. Um, obviously, he's never easy in those situations. Um, he's hoping for condolences and, and peace to his, uh, his family. Now, Chapman, uh, tomorrow, what do you, what do you want to get into tomorrow? on the show well it's friday yeah and it might be my last uh day as your quote unquote co-host yeah my life because yeah. we know when 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 someone comes back my my mic time will be severely limited but uh i don't know it's it's friday let's have some fun let's do something okay. chaotic okay so here's the thing you want to talk about chaos i'll introduce chaos chris chapman i'm gonna give you a block of time and you get to decide what we talk about and what we do in that segment oh wow oh boy you're not going to want to miss tomorrow, I'm telling you right now. Tune in right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.